Amen. Well, today we're going to celebrate communion, and I, I love um, what that provides for us. It just provides these opportunities for us just to pause for a moment and to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And, and what I wanted to do this morning in, in the sermon is we're going to touch on communion a little bit at the end of the Passover meal. But I want to just kind of take three different moments in Jesus' life and just look at what He does in those moments. Because the key thing for us to remember when we think about Jesus and when we reflect on Him and His relationship with us is that His whole purpose in life is to have a relationship with us. Jesus didn't come to make a bunch of rules that we could follow. Jesus didn't come so that we would have you know, obligations in certain fields or certain areas. Jesus came to see to it that you and I had an opportunity and that we could choose to have a relationship with Him. And if you look at communion, communion is all about sharing together. This idea of fellowship. And so He gave us this as a way to draw us together as a family and a church, but more importantly for us to be able to focus on Him and to remember what He has done for us. The first area I want to look at for just a little bit is the call uh, when he called his first disciples. And if you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 16, you, this is where we have this experience where Jesus is walking down the Sea of Galilee and he comes across these two guys. And so let me just read this to you. It says, Jesus, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. Now, if you are wondering, if you're like me, sometimes you, you read these passages and you're like, okay. But if you were wondering for any chance, why were these guys throwing nets into the, into the lake? You know, what was up with that? Luke, I mean, Mark makes sure that we understand why. These guys weren't training for some weird Olympics. These guys, you know, this wasn't frustration or something like that. Mark tells us, for they were fishermen. Duh, maybe. But he wanted to make sure that we got that. You know, these guys are fishermen. And they're throwing their nets into the, into the lake. The next part, verse 17, Jesus comes up to these guys and He sees what they're doing and He says to them, come, follow me. So there is the initial call. There is the first call for, to two guys to be His disciples. Now, I don't know if you've ever started something from nothing. I don't know if you've ever started a business or you started a club or you started a team or, or you started a, a band. But I know this much about starting something new, is that the first people you have involved, the first stage is so important. Why? Because it sets a precedence to everything else. And so when he says to these two guys, come, follow me, you would think that the very next thing Jesus is going to say is he's going to lay it down for them. This is how things have got to be if you're going to follow me. There are certain rules you're going to have to abide by. There are certain things you're going to have to do regularly if you want to follow me because you would think that Jesus would know that the precedence that He sets here is going to affect everybody else that comes after. So everybody else that gets called to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus, is going to look at this first moment and say, what was He expecting of the very first guys? Because that's most likely what He's going to expect from me. And look what Jesus says. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Matthew says, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 18, at once they left their nets and followed him. 
We might think that the first thing Jesus should have done is lay down some kind of doctrine. The first thing Jesus should have done is said, here's what I want you to believe in. Here's what I want you to understand about me. But Jesus skips all of that. And the first thing he tells them to do is more than just teach, but he wants them to be transformed. He wants to transform who they are and what they live for. You used to throw nets out to catch fish. Now I want you to throw nets out to catch people. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. What Jesus is saying here to his disciples, and he sets a precedent, he says, if you want to follow me, you see guys, I'm all about relationships. I'm all about people. And I want you to go out. And I want you to have the same purpose I have. I want you to go out and catch people. Because I'm all about relationships. I'm not coming to do this so that you can have rules to follow. I'm coming to do this so that you have someone to follow. The second one that we see is in John chapter 13. And the second example of this, John chapter 13, verse 33 to 35. Jesus is speaking here again to his disciples and, and he says this to them, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. Now you know that at that moment everybody kind of perked up. Okay? Here he is with his disciples. He says, oh, by the way, guys, I'm only going to be with you for a little bit longer. And then just to kind of add some confusion to the situation, he says, you will look for me. But just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. You guarantee, I'm, I guarantee you, every disciple right now is sitting on the edge of their seat going, what do you mean you're leaving? And what do you mean where you're going, we can't come? And so everybody's paying attention then, now, and then he adds yet another little thing. He says, a new command I give you. Okay, so here, this is a new command coming from a guy who's leaving, and we can't go where he's going, at least not yet. Now, what do you think the new command would be? Well, here's what Jesus says. Love one another. This is coming from the guy who's leaving. This is coming from the guy who says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And by the way, kind of a last rite, I just want to let you guys know, I have a new command for you, and the command is this, love one another. And in case you're wondering what that means, in case you're wondering what that looks like, he explains, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus knew what we know. Jesus knew that if he just gave his disciples a bunch of rules, if he just gave them a checklist of what they were supposed to do, if he just gave them things to do, he knew they would do it. Think about it. If we knew that if we had to recite the Ten Commandments every day and walk an old lady across the street once a month, if we knew to follow Jesus meant to tithe, we would do it. But we would only do it out of obligation. We would not do it because we are motivated by love. For example, my kids know that every Saturday is basement cleaning day. So when my kids wake up like yesterday morning, I say, guys, guess what day it is? 
Saturday. They know. And if they don't remember, I'm like, it's Saturday, guys. Guess what that means? Clean the basement. I have never yet... So if you ever want to do this for brownie points, kids, go ahead. I have never yet had my kids go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We get to clean the basement. We love you, Daddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Saturday cleaning basement day. But guess what they always do? They always clean the basement. But they're doing it out of obligation, not because they are motivated by love. So Jesus is saying here to these guys, I got a new command for you. And again, it goes back to relationships. I got a new command for you guys. And guess what I want you to do? I don't want you to do certain things that you can fake. You know, you can, you can do nice things for people and then go, ugh. But guess what you can't do? You can't fake love. So he says, I want you to do this. I want you to love one another. You know, I've heard people say, you know, Oh, you know, they talk bad about someone and then they'll say, Oh, but I know as a Christian I have to love them. You can't have to love anybody. That's not how love works. Love is a choice. And, his, and Jesus is reminding His disciples here, I'm about love. I'm going to tell you in a little while what I'm going to go do. And all of that is motivated by love. Everything I'm doing, leaving the heavenly throne and coming down and being on earth, all of that is motivated by love. And guess what I want you guys to do? I want you to go and do what I have done for you. I want you to love one another. Relationship. And that brings us then to communion. Luke chapter 24 here we have Luke's account of the Last Supper. And you sort of get this picture when you read this that Jesus may have forgotten himself a little bit because finally his disciples, they just can't handle anymore. And so they go up to him and they say, where do you want us to prepare for the Passover? It's kind of like, Jesus, it's kind of getting close. And, and where do you want us to get ready for this thing? You know, we're, we don't have a place yet and we know how important it is to have Passover. The Jews celebrate Passover to remember being you know, brought out of Egypt. And so they're looking at Jesus going, where do you want us to have Passover? And then Jesus, you know, just classic Jesus, oh, by the way, you go into town and you're going to see some guy carrying a jar. When you see the guy carrying a jar, when he comes at you, follow him to a house and tell him the master needs a place to prepare for Passover and he's going to show you a room and prepare there. I love what Luke adds in. He says, and everything happened just as Jesus said it would. It's like, well, no kidding. It's kind of the way it always is, right? You know, Jesus says, oh, you're going to see a guy with a jar. Here comes a guy with a jar. And you're going to say to the guy, the master needs a place to prepare. And he's going to say, oh, I just happen to have a room upstairs. Go. And so Jesus prepares for Passover with his disciples. Let's pick up in verse 14 of chapter 22 of Luke. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until, I find, until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, This is, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup 
saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And in that way, Jesus shares the Passover meal with his disciples. Or we could, we could say now, he has communion with his disciples. So let me ask you a dumb question. Who was at the table? You're all looking at me going, his disciples? Very good, you guys are sharp. Well, let me ask you again. Who was at the table? There was one guy there who had committed in his heart to betray Jesus. And he was accepting money to do so. There's another guy there who's going to betray Jesus three times or deny Jesus three times. And he doesn't know it yet. And yet Jesus has communion with these guys. Jesus shares the Passover with these guys. And if that's not bad enough, in verse 24, a dispute also broke out. A dispute arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. So here you've got a guy who is committed in his heart to betray Jesus. You've got another guy who doesn't know he's going to do it. He's going to deny Jesus three times. And then you've got an argument among all of them about which of them is greatest. And I want you to catch this. And yet Jesus had communion with them. Funny how we sometimes think that certain people should be excluded. And yet here's Jesus with these people. And he shares communion with them. Verse 31, this kind of comes out of nowhere. Jesus has been talking with his disciples. And then he also, in verse 31, he breaks out and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Where does that come from? It's like Jesus saying, you want to get proud? You want to talk about who's the greatest? I want you to know, Simon, that right now, Satan has asked to do to you what he did to Judas. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, Simon's reaction, Peter's reaction is, is not a surprise. He, he goes into panic and he says, what are you, basically, what are you talking about? Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. It's Simon's way of saying, how dare you say that, Jesus? I would give my life for you. These next words must have been so difficult for Jesus to say. But Jesus answered, Simon, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you know me. So why did Jesus, knowing this about his disciples, why did he have communion with them? I believe he had communion with them and he gave them this for the same reason he's giving it to us. For the same reason that we have it. It's so that we would be able to remember Him. It's so that we would be able to remember what He has done for us. So we'd be able to have something that whenever we take part in that, this brings us back to remembering what He did. And it didn't matter what the scenario was. It didn't matter what the environment was. It didn't change 
what Jesus was doing. You see, very often when we think about communion, we think about the thing in the wrong way. We think about it in the form of how. How should we have communion? We think about it where. Where's a good location? We think about when. Should we do it in the morning or the afternoon? And we think about those kind of things. And here's the big one. We often think about who. Who can have communion? And I want to remind you today that Jesus didn't think about any of those things. Jesus was thinking about why. Why have communion? And he outlines this for us. He says, here's why I want you to have communion. I want you to have communion so that you will remember me. I want you to have communion. I want you to take this stuff, the bread. I want you to take the cup. I want you to take these things. And when you take part in them, I want you to remember what I have done for you. In a sense, I think he's looking at Judah saying, yeah, you dipped your bread in. You had the juice. You had the wine. But all you did was eat and drink. But if you take these two elements, if you take the bread and the juice, and you take them and you do them to remember Him, then you have truly taken communion and shared in fellowship with Jesus. I don't really know what to call this because I, I don't want to call it a token. But maybe that helps you to think of it a little bit as, as a token. You see, when, remember when you're teeny boppers, and some of you are teeny boppers, no offense, and, and you have a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and so you get these matching necklaces... Yeah. And when you put them together, there's a perfect circle. But then you give one to him and you give one to her. And and they wear them separately. But each time they look at that, say, Ah, see, but I'm connected to someone. So romantic. And then you get married and that's just foolishness. You know? (laughs) Married people have things like rings. You know, you might give your spouse or you might give a loved one a, a bracelet. I give Aaron, picking on Aaron today. Did it in the other service and he didn't get mad, so I'll do it here too. I give, I give Aaron a watch. And every time Aaron looks at that watch, he's like, yeah, my buddy Ike gave that to me. It's a way of remembering. Baguettes will never be the same for Maria and our family anymore because after we went to Europe, all we could afford to eat there was baguettes. So every time we break a baguette, we're like, Europe. Actually, it's more like, Europe. You know, it's a happy memory. But you see, we have these things in our lives. We have these things in our lives that remind us of something. I want you to know today that that's what this is. That's what the purpose of this is. Not so that we can check, yay, we had communion. Not so that you can say, I did it, I followed through on a command, I was obedient. No, 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 no. Jesus gave this to us in a sense, as a token and saying, every time, every time you find yourself at this table, every time you find yourself eating this bread and drinking the juice, every time you find yourself doing this together with other people, for this purpose, I want you to remember why. I want you to remember it's because I died for you. Let me just explain that to you real quick. Maybe you've heard this before, but maybe you're wondering, well, What does that all mean? You see, Jesus came to this earth knowing that you and I had no way to be saved. And so Jesus showed up on this earth and and after three years of ministry and, and leading His disciples, He knew the whole time what He had come to do. 
And then Jesus allows Himself to be crucified by the very people He created so that they could be free from their sins. Jesus allowed Himself to be pierced in the hands, His feet. He allowed them to whip Him. He allowed them to spit on Him. He allowed them to mock Him. And He did all of it to save us. And now He's given us this to say, when you take communion... I want you to remember. I want you to remember what I've done for you. And that's why you take communion. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for what you've done for us. And we want to thank you for giving your life for us. Jesus, we thank you for giving us this to be able to partake in together. And Lord, maybe some in this room feel that they're not ready, and that's fine. But may we just sit and reflect then on what you have done for us. And Jesus, we just say thank you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to invite you just to remain seated, and the band's going to sing one song for you, for us. And you can sing along or you can just listen in. I just trust that this will be a moment where we just calm down a little bit and just relax. Everybody just stay in the room. You can just stay here. And if you don't want to take part in it, you don't need to. But to just pause for a moment and to reflect and say, why am I taking this? And to remember the reason we have communion is to remember what Jesus has done for us.